Good morning. How's everybody doing? You guys good? Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad that you guys are here. How many parents are still excited that school's out? Let me, let me hear some noise. <laughs> How many young people are excited school's out? Let's hear that. Let's hear that. Yeah, look at all you young people out there. Y'all so young. I tell you what, our kids are excited that school's out. This last week, we had family in town from Tennessee, and they were staying. They always come every year a couple times. They stay in Destin, and we got to go over there and just have a great time with our kiddos, man. Nothing like spending time with the kids. See, when school is out, it's a whole nother level of fun, right? Like, I don't know about your kids, but my kids wake up and they're like, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? What are we doing awesome today? You know, like I'm a camp director or something. And uh, I tell you, we had some kind of fun though, man, throwing them around in the pool. Jaden and I have this game. He's got a rocket and uh, we go underneath water. You got to hold your breath. And, and it's, it's pretty awesome, man. It's, it's, uh, it was like Moab, you know, it was this big rocket. You get underneath water here and you throw it and you just spin it like that. And man, that thing takes off. If you throw it up in the air, it hit it the water, it take off like a rocket. And so we play this game. It's kind of like, kind of like you can't let it get past you. So you swim up to the other person. And anyways, he loves that. That's, I asked him, I said, man, what was your favorite time about all day? You were there with your buddy. We went to the golf, man. We went skimboarding, boogie board. Come on. What, what was your, and he said, dad, my favorite part was in the pool playing that with you. So, you know, like I know when school is out, you got to keep the kids from being Bored, right? Got to keep them from being bored. Well, listen, this series is anything but boring. We're in this series entitled Schools Out, Schools Out. And last week we did a look back, right? Like, because when school is getting out, you look back, you're like, holy cow, where did the year go? It was like August, it was September, and then it was over with. And where did it go? And you look back. I, I talked about looking at their pictures, right? First day of school, last day of school, and looking at, to see how much has changed. Um, today, we want to not just look back, but today we want to talk about something. The title of the talk is Bullseye. Bullseye. Have you ever gone shooting? Have you ever done that? Anyone here? I like to shoot. I got guns. I like to shoot. Um, target. Target practice, right? Makes you better. And so I like to go, I, I like to, go to the gun range, Oak Ridge is kind of near our house. And so we'll go out there and I'll get the different targets. And you got some targets, right? Where it's like uh, the shadow image, like of a body, you know, and you got other targets where, man, it's like old school target. And, uh, and I love that, man. And, and sometimes I'll go and I'll watch these guys and these guys are like American sniper, man. They are professional. I mean, they can hit that bullseye every time. And uh, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm working on it. But I love to go shooting, man. I love the challenge of hitting the bullseye. I love that. I love that. I was trying to think of a funny story, and uh, I couldn't think of one, so I'll stick with this one. But no, when Steph and I first got married, I, I told her, I said, babe, we, we just got married. We got this money for our wedding. And so I'm pretty sure I need to take some of that money, and I need to take it, and I need to get a gun. I need to get a gun. So I went and bought a gun. Actually, was that, did we have that conversation before or after I bought the gun? I'm not sure. I think it was after now that I think about it. And so I came home, right? I came home with a gun. I'll never forget it. It was the one off of Beverly Hills Cop. You remember that? The Beretta? Oh yeah, I watched that movie. I was like, I gotta have a gun like that. And so I came home with this gun. And uh, anyways, I was showing her how to use it. And she had shot 
rifles before, never shot a handgun. And so I was brand new. And um, anyway, so I took her to the gun range, took her to the gun range and I'm showing her, right, get your breathing right and focus and, and all this kind of stuff. And she whooped me. She whooped me. She crushed me. Now that, that's devastating to a marriage early on in the game. That's a little humbling. Oh, by the way, hum, did you see my shirt? Did y'all see my shirt? Yeah, I surprised Stephanie this morning. I got this, and um, actually she bought it for me and told me to wear, to wear it today. <laughs> she said she thought it would look good, but no, just teasing. But, man, that was so humbling. We are walking out, the guy looked at me, and he's like, man, she, she crushed you, didn't she? And I said, yeah, she did. And he said, I thought so. He said, women, man, they, uh, they're good like that. They're natural-born killers. I mean, shooters is what, what he said, natural-born shooters. So I... I want to talk today about bullseye. If you took the whole Christian faith, if you took everything, and if you could get it, simplify it, get it all the way on target to the bullseye, what would it be? And it's the word love. Someone say love. Love. Say it a little bit louder. Love. It's love. So let's do a quick look back. Refresh. If you missed last week, um, want to give you a quick refresher. And we're going to talk about three different things today. I'm going to... um, going to talk about love today. I want, I want you to ask this question. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? Would that not change our life? Would it not change our world? If we woke up every day and if we answered that question and if our attitudes and our actions, if they followed, if they trailed, what captivated our attention. You see, you can never treat people better than you think about them. However you think about people, you'll never treat them better than that. You'll never do it. And so we asked the question today, where is the love? We ask another question today, and that is, what does love require of me? I want you to go ahead and stand, would you, out of respect for the word of God. Um, we're going to read a couple verses, so uh, a couple different passages. They'll be on the screen Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. This was our message last week, and I spent a lot of time building um, the foundation. You, you remember building the foundation for this week, because this is where it takes off. Last week kind of got us moving. Last week was the foundation. It takes a long time to build that foundation, but when the foundation is set, man, that house can go up Go up quickly and you can know that thing is secure. That thing is secure. So let's look back to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 5. Okay, so Moses wrote these words and he says this. Listen, O Israel. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Or the Lord is one God. That's what that verse means. Verse 5. And you, now because he's God, we have a responsibility And you must love the Lord your God with, someone say all. All. Someone say all. All. There we go. A little bit louder, church. Someone say all. All. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Deuteronomy 6, 5. 6, 4, and 5. Now, thank you. You can be seated. Now we get to the New Testament. You see, in the Old Testament... Moses wrote those words. That's in the fifth book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And Moses penned those words, and those words were really important because they were right from God's heart to God's people. Hear, O Israel. 
You know, Jews, they, as I said last week, they'll pray that prayer, many of them, every day. That is so important. And in fact, the next couple of verses that follow said that, that God's word for them was so important that they were, to, they were to write it, right? Like put it on their forehead. They were to put it on the doorpost of their house and they would do that. They would do that to keep God's word in front of them. Now, we go to the New Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, it was Old Testament, it was Old Covenant. And it was based off of, it was based off of obedience. Like when you obey God, obedience brings blessing. When you disobey, disobedience would bring a curse. And God was teaching his people, he was teaching his people how to live, how to live. And then Jesus comes on the scene and there are Pharisees and there are Sadducees. And these people were experts of the law. So they were teachers of the law. They, I mean, they had, if you could have your doctorate back then, they had their doctorate. They knew, I mean, they knew it right and left. In fact, many of them had all five books of the Bible. The first five books of the Bible, they had it memorized word for word. Can you imagine that? The Torah. The books of Moshe, they had them memorized. These guys knew it. They could quote chapter and verse. You say, okay, all right, Deuteronomy 2, 3, and they could spit it out because ever since they were little kids, they had learned it. They had learned the word of God over and over and over. Now, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. In Deuteronomy 6, after verse 5, a couple verses says that we're to teach our kids God's word. And we're to talk to them when they get out of bed. We're to talk to them during the day, when we're in the car, before we put them to bed. We're to keep God's word in front of them. To keep it in their mind. The Bible, um, there's a Bible verse in Psalms that David wrote, and it says this, it says, God's word have I put in my heart so I won't sin against God. So there's something about memorization. There's something about taking, taking God's word and saying, man, I, I, I'm going to take it and it's serious and it's helpful. In fact, the Bible says this, it's better than silver or gold. There's a verse, right? In Psalms that it's, it's more valuable than silver or gold. And so God's word is important. But it's one thing, here's what I know from this. It's one thing just to know it. It's another thing to live it. These guys, they knew it. They knew these verses. They knew it so much. And yet it was disconnected from their heart. Are you with me? Man, listen, you know, one of the greatest problems in America today are Christians who know God's word, but his word is disconnected from their heart. See, even the devil in the New Testament could quote scripture. He quoted some verses to Jesus when Jesus was tempted. You remember that? He quoted, and, and some of the verses he quoted was from Deuteronomy, from Moses. He, he threw it at Jesus, but he twisted it. Yeah, God's word meant nothing to him. He was leveraging it to try to get what he wanted. That's, that's like full of the devil. And, and so you've got all these guys that have this knowledge of the word of God. And yet, you hear me, Navar? And yet... It's disconnected from their heart. The Pharisees were just that. They were Pharisees. They required of the people what they would not do in private. That's a Pharisee. They would say, don't do this. And then when people weren't watching, they would do it. 
They would tell people, do this. And when people weren't watching, they wouldn't do it. That was a Pharisee. Then you have the Sadducees. And the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. That's one of the main things that separated them, right? They did not believe in the resurrection or a resurrection. They didn't do it. That's why they were sad, you see? They were Sadducees. And, and so these guys think they're going to trap Jesus. We're in Matthew 22. Matthew 22. I'm going to read from Matthew and Mark. Out of the Gospels... Out of the Gospels, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're known as the Synoptic Gospels. These guys are eyewitnesses. They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. Now, what's interesting, what's interesting is that Matthew and Mark are written to two different audiences. Matthew is written to a Jewish audience. Mark is written to a Gentile audience. And yet, out of the four, these two writers are the only ones in the gospel that record the story. So first thing we saw is we saw the Old Testament that God says, oh yeah, you want to love? Here is love. You must love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. But then Jesus comes with a remix. Jesus got a little remix to that. And let's pick up Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, Jesus had silenced them just by his word. You see, earlier, earlier in this passage of scripture, they asked Jesus, hey man, what's, what's the greatest commandment? We're going to see this. And their heart isn't connected. They don't care, really. They're trying to see if they can trip God up. In other words, they think they have Jesus in a corner. So when they heard his reply, the Bible says they, they met together to question him again. And one of them, an expert in religious law, he tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus quoted Moses from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. He had that verse memorized, but he didn't stop there. He said, he goes on and he says this, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is actually found in Leviticus. It was also in the Old Testament. It was also in a book of Moses. And Jesus connects the two. He connects the two. And when Jesus replies with that, he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets. You're talking about over 600 laws. I read many of them yesterday. Crazy. I mean, down to the detail. Do not do this. Do not do this. Do this. Do this. If someone does this, then do that. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. That was Matthew's account. Let's look at Mark. What did Mark have to say about it? One of the teachers of religious law, this is Mark 12. I'm going to read 28 through 34. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He's listening to the debate. You say, now, what are you talking about? What debate? Well, he's debating. Pharisees are talking, Sadducees have been talking. And so this guy says, I'm going to listen. 
Now he realized that Jesus answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. Here it is, the Shema. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. All caps. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, last week, when I broke that verse down, I talked about the different names of God in there and what they mean. So here he's reflecting back to that. He's reminding them, the eternality of God, the power of God. And he says, you must, he says, you must, you must do this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law, he's a teacher, he's a scholar, he's a master. And he replies and he says, well said, teacher. You've spoken the truth by saying that there's only one God and no other. And I know it's important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. You see, today, the bullseye, simply Christianity, bullseye defined is this that we are to love God and love people. I mean, it's LGLP love God, love people. That's what, that's the, it, it all comes to that. Over 600, over 600 laws. And Jesus said, all of that hangs on this. You can get all that stuff right, but if you miss loving God, if you miss loving people, then you missed it all completely. It would be like hitting a home run and missing first base. And when you come across home plate, they tag you with a ball and call you out. And you're like, no, 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 I'm not out, man. I hit a home run. Are you kidding me? And they say, yeah, yeah, but you never touch first base. You're out. You're out. You see, Jesus does not separate loving God and loving others. For Jesus, everything hangs on these two principles. So here's what I want you to know today. What I want you to know is that loving God equals loving people. Loving God equals, a little, little equation for you, loving God equals loving people. Or we could say it like this, actually. Loving people is loving God. Loving people is loving God. See, you cannot love God any more than you love the people around you. No, oh, you know, I love, I love people at work. You know, I love people over here. But you, you talk about those closest to me, like my neighbors, like my family, like my husband, like my wife, like my kids. Yep. Because you cannot love God any more than you love the people around you. Love God, love people. Would you say it with me? Love God, love people. Say it again. Love God, love people. See, to love God... 
Love people. A a lot of people say, I want to love God. I I don't know how to love God. Here it is, simplified. Jesus breaks it down for us. You want to love God? Then love people. This morning, I went to the office, and I went to the office, and Cindy was leaving. I was coming in, and she had just picked up a Whataburger, and she said, hey, just to let you know, there's a homeless man sleeping right outside our office, and, and uh, I've got some Whataburger in the back. Do you want to give him one? And I said, well, if it's this certain guy, he won't take it. He, he won't take it. I've, I've bought him some food before and, and he won't receive it. And I said, but if you put in the trash can outside our office, it can be in the Whataburger bag. You put it in the trash can right outside. He will dig in the trash and he'll get it and he'll eat it. He'll eat it. And for years, literally for, for four and a half years, we've loved on this guy. And to look at this guy, you're, you, you'd either feel heartbroken or disgusted. But when God looks at that guy, God feels nothing but love. And when you do something for people, whether it's people right beside you or whether it's someone like this guy who's homeless, whatever you do to the least of these, Jesus said, you're doing it to me. You're doing it to me. So I got that. I went upstairs. I got a muscle milk out of the fridge and uh, I went, I snuck up and I put it right beside him. So when he wakes up, hopefully he'll have a Whataburger sandwich and, and something to drink. You know why? Because Cindy loves God. You know how I know Cindy loves God? Because she loves people. She saw that and it moved her heart. I want to ask you a question. In God's economy, where God says that to love him is really to love people, I want to ask you a question. How well do you really love God? Because the the litmus test is how well do you love people? How well do you love people? You say, oh, I love God, man. I've got Bible and I've got every Beth Moore study in the world. I've got all these insight. I'm tell- I got it. I cited this person over here and I got this message over here and I listen to this podcast. And you're like, man, I got all the Christian bumper stickers. None of that stuff means anything to Jesus. None of it. But I listen. You don't understand, Tim. I listen to K-Love. Yo, yo. That's the only thing on my radio, you know, is Caleb. When I got to go, it's Caleb. That doesn't mean anything to Jesus if you don't love people. Right. right? To love God is to love people. Let me say it this way. If you want to know where you stand with God, then check and see where you stand with those around you. If you want to know where you stand with God then check and see where you stand with those around you. I'm talking about relationships. Because if we're not careful, our relationships can get tangled, messy, broken. They can become relation slips. And Jesus says, hey, loving God is simply loving people. Now, here's why it's so important that we get this. Because that's it today. That's what I want you to know. Why it's so important that we get it is because you cannot separate the two. You cannot separate the two. Jesus did not separate the two. If you want to know where you stand with God, you better look around. Ask yourself, where do I stand with my wife? Where do I stand with my husband? Where do I stand with my kids? Where do I stand with my parents? Where do I stand with my coach, my classmates? Where do I stand with my teammates? Where do I stand with my coworkers? Where do I stand with my employees? See, that says a lot. In fact, in God's economy, it says everything. 
says everything. What does love have to do with it? Everything, everything. And then Jesus takes it to another level. Now follow me real quick. Watch this. So now this is the last supper. We read this text, but I didn't pull this one truth out or this application, but we read this when I preached on Peter. Remember that a couple weeks ago, I talked about grace and I talked about Peter and how Peter, you know, Peter was there with Jesus and the other disciples. It's the last supper. Peter said, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. God, I'm, I'm going to die with you. I'll die for you. I'll go to prison with you. Remember all that? And he was heavy swinger, man. He was ready. I'm, I'm with you, Jesus. You remember that? In this same story, let me tell this story. In the same story, we see a truth that will blow your mind. Jesus gets his disciples around. There's a lot of stuff happening. He had told a couple of his disciples to go, to go to a guy and say, Jesus needs to use your room. And sure enough, they followed, they obeyed. The guy said, oh, no problem. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. You can use it. And later that night, Jesus would come and he would meet for his last words to all of his disciples. You know, when someone has some last words, I've been there before at the bedside. I've been there at gravesides. People have said last words to people that they love. Those words are meaningful. They're calculated. They're rich. Jesus gets his disciples together and he begins telling them what's going to happen. He begins speaking to them from their heart. And as Jesus is doing that, he knows that in just a little bit, Judas is going to betray him. He knows in just a, just a few more hours, he's going to go pray and the guys are going to fall asleep. He knows that then when the guards will come and Judas betrays him with a kiss, calls him friend. He knows that Peter is going to react. Peter's going to take the dude's ear off. He knows all these things. He knows what's getting ready to happen. That's why he had to pray. That's why he had to go pray. But while he's still there with his disciples, we pick up on the scripture. And Jesus now says, hey, you've heard before that to love to love God means that you love him with everything you have. And then Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees and everyone else listening and the disciples heard it. He said, no, no, no. To love God means that you love people and you can't separate the two. But now he says this, John 13, 34 and 35. In the context of this upper room, Jesus says to his closest companions, with compassion, Jesus says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Here's where he adds some weight. Here's where he adds more plates to the workout. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know what we need to do? We need to love like Jesus. We are to love like Jesus. We're to love those closest to us like Jesus would love them. We're to love like Jesus. We love those around us like we've first been loved. In 1 John chapter 2, John, different John than the gospel writer John. John, John says this, John says, John says, listen to me now. I tell you a commandment, but it's not a new commandment. 
It's, it's a commandment we've had from the beginning. From the beginning. And that is that you love one another. Jesus said, yeah, love one another. And you love them even as I've loved you. I want you to think about how God, even as for Christ's sake, has loved you. Would you go there with me real quick? I want you to think about your worst days. Your biggest mistakes. Your failures that you thought were final. You thought you were finished. I want you to go there. I want you to go when you are angry at God. You ever been there? You ever been angry at God? Feel like I'm preaching to an empty room this morning. Let me ask that question again. Don't look down, look up. We're not praying yet. Have you ever been angry at God? You ever been angry at God? You ever been hurt because something didn't work out like you thought it should? Because something didn't go the way that you thought it would? You ever been there before? You ever felt like God let you down? You ever shut your heart down? You ever said, fine, God, fine. You stay over there. I'm going to stay over here. You ever done that? And yet it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's God saying, I'm still here. I love you. I can take it. Whatever you dish at me, I can take it. I already paid for it. I'm not going anywhere. I will not abandon you. I'm right here. What should we do? We got to love like Jesus. You know, here's why that's so important. Because when we love like Jesus, we show the world the way. We show the world the way. By the way, speaking of the way, that's what they used to call it. In Bible times, if you were a Christian... They call you a Christian in the early days. They called you a follower of the way. You know why? Because Jesus is the way. John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way. So when we love like Jesus, we show the world the way. We show the world the way. What are you? Let me ask it like this. What are you showing the world? You see, love wins the world's attention. That's what love does. Love wins the world's attention. Because Jesus said, and I quote, he said this. He said, your love for one another will prove to the world, to the who? To the world. You want to change the world? You better learn to love. You cannot change the world without love. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the question simply this morning is, will you love like Jesus? Will you love like Jesus? Because God's not impressed with mere church attendance. You ought to go to church. It's very important. You ought to be faithful to God's house. Scripture uh, in the New Testament, one of the writers says that we should not forsake the coming together. What that means is that church is important. It's important because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And not only is faith important, but fellowship, right? Like meeting with other believers and encouraging each other on to do good works. What kind of works? Love works because love works. That's what we're called to do. So if you are caught between the tension of, oh, I want to love God with everything and I don't know how to love God or how well am I loving God or I'm not sure if I'm loving God, just check and see how you treat people. 
And if you're anything like me, I'm constantly reminded in this category how much I need God's help. Because my flesh is like a snake. It is quick to strike. You hurt me. You say something about me, right? Like just being human. My flesh was talking to the Lord the other day. I said, God, my flesh, right? Right? Like there's a scripture verse that says that in our flesh is no good thing. That's why as Christians, if you're not a believer today, you're off the hook for this. But that's why as Christians, as believers, we have to crucify our flesh. That's what Paul wrote. He said, I die daily. I crucify my flesh. In other words, I realize that if God doesn't take the will, if Jesus doesn't have the will, uh uh-oh, we all in trouble. I think one of the worst things that we could ever do is to name the name of Christ and not love people. We tell people, I go to this church, I go to Momentum, I do this, I serve over here, I'm on this team or that team. But if we do not love people, I mean, that plays out in restaurants after church. Do you know waiters and waitresses have said to me, we, get, we got many that go to Momentum, and I've often talked to them, they said, man, we hate Sunday. We hate Sunday. Sunday's like the worst day because all the church people come in. And man, it shouldn't be like that, right? Like, I know that's not our church. I know that's not you guys because you guys love people. In fact, you love people so well that this month we're loving the socks off of people. I'm just, I just want to brag on you guys because you model this. You model this. Man, I've got pictures after pictures. I heard about Navarre High School and everyone that showed up to help the teachers. I mean, that was like incredible. It was a surprise to them. You helped them pack up their rooms. You helped them clean up. Just, just something little like that. Pastor Tim, you mean just like that is how I love God? Absolutely. Whatever you do to others, Jesus said, you've done it unto me. Man, you want to love God with everything you have? Then love people with everything you've got. Will you do that? Will you do that? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Any, any believers in the house today, you say, man, I'm struggling here. There are some people close to me. There are some people close to me. I'm not loving them well. I'm not loving them well. See, to love, you, you got to forgive. To love people, you have to forgive people. To love people means you can't allow hate to create space in your heart that will keep you from loving them. To love people means you got to move towards a mess. Yeah, but they, oh, they just get on my nerves. See, to love people means you got to get messy. You got to be willing, got to be willing to love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Listen here. How did Jesus love? Well, he healed the blind man. He cast demons out of people. When the soldier came to him and he said, I'm a man under authority and I know, I know you don't even need to go to my house. Just say the word because you have authority. And if you'll say the word, he'll be healed. What did Jesus do? He healed the, the boy that very hour. What did Jesus do? Oh, when Mary and Martha were crying because Lazarus was dead, Jesus brought him back to life. How did Jesus love? When Judas betrayed him, Jesus called him, hugged him, loved him, called him friend. He called his enemy friend. I wonder if in the garden, Jesus was praying for Judas. I bet you money he was because I believe Matthew penned the words that reminded us that Jesus said to love your enemies and to pray for them. 
When Peter cut Malchus' ear off, how did Jesus love him? He took the wrong and he made it right. He moved to the mess, he picked it up and he put it back on him. He healed him instantly. And the soldiers were saying all kinds of stuff and spitting on Jesus. What did he do? He prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they do. When the guy right beside him who was cursing him, saying wicked things to him, what did he do? He turned to him, he looked at him, he said, Father, forgive him. Right? Like, Father, forget, like, like forgive him. He said, man, today you're going to be with me in paradise. You see, when we love like Jesus, we look past people's faults. We look past people's sins and there's this deep love from within that comes out will you love like that if you're a christian here today and you say i want to love like that maybe you're struggling in this area maybe you're doing well it doesn't matter either way you say i want to love like jesus i'm going to love like jesus that's your action step would you say pray for me pastor tim would you raise your hand up my hands in the air would you hold it up say i want to love like jesus i want to love my kids like jesus i want to love my spouse like jesus i want to love my friends my relatives my family my neighbors i want to love like jesus that's what we're called to do God, I pray for everyone that raised their hand today, God, that's a believer that would say, God, we just want to love like you. Teach us to love like Jesus. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know how well Jesus loves you, it's my privilege to tell you that he knows everything about you. He knew you before you were born. He knew every, every day of your life, every minute, every second of your life, he already knew and he knows and he loves you anyways. He knows you on your worst day. And see, your worst day is his best day because that's when love wins. The Bible, all through the Bible, we see this theme and this message that sin entered the world and created a gap. It created distance. It created separation from this loving God. And so God sent his son to the world so that you and I might be forgiven. And it's free. It's a free gift. If you receive God's free gift, I mean, Jesus was God's best gift ever. God gave his best gift, his son, his only son. He gave that gift, his son, from his heart. And he gave him to you and to me so that you and I could be made right with God because sin separates and sin must be punished. See, all sin is breaking God's law. And when you break God's law, you're guilty. And when you're guilty, you're punished. So instead of you and I being punished, Jesus was punished in your place. That's why Jesus died. That's why being good enough will never get you to heaven. If being good enough got you to heaven, why did Jesus have to die? Jesus died. He never sinned. He was perfect. The perfect Lamb of God. He came to die to seek and save that which was lost. He came to take away the sin of the world. And if today, if you'll call on his name, if you'll put your faith, your trust in the fact that he loves you, he died for you, he shed his blood for you, by him bleeding for you and me, we're free. See, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Jesus had to bleed and he bled out for you and for me. And that blood is our healing. That blood is our forgiveness. Nothing. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So today, if you'll believe that Jesus loves you, he died for you, he bled for you, and he rose again for you, if you'll put your faith and your trust in that, in that love that he has for you and what he did, the Bible declares that you'll pass from death to life. I want to lead you in a simple prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. We always pray this together as a church. and We pray it out loud because we know every Sunday there are people who pray it for the first time. We know you're here. We're glad you're here. We've been expecting you. We're ready. Heaven is leaning in. This is your moment. Seize the day. Would you cry out to Jesus? Would you repeat after me? You're not talking. You're not going through me. You're talking to Jesus. Would you say this? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I declare Jesus is Lord. Thank you for loving me, for dying for me, for bleeding for me, for rising again. I give you my life. I receive your life. Now teach me how to live. If you prayed that prayer, if you called on Jesus today, John reminds us that you can know that you have eternal life. If you did that, we want to join heaven. They're already celebrating. We want to celebrate with you. Would you raise your hand on the count of three if you did that? On the count of three, would you hold your hand up high? Spirit of God, give courage, we pray. Navar, hold it up on the count of three. Here we go. Hands are already raised. Hands are already raised. I see you. Hold it up on the count of three. One, two, three. Right now, hold it up. You hold it up. Yeah. I see your hand. 